Hey, what's up? My name is Stephen, and I lead Avenue Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, along with my wife and an incredible team. We really have a desire to see people experience God's unconditional love, find their true identity in Christ, and live out their purpose. And we would love to connect with you. You can find us on all social media platforms simply by searching Our Avenue Church. You can also check us out online by going to OurAvenueChurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. Really excited about this series, nervous about this series. Um, it's a series on the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen from everybody? Let's go. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm a little nervous. One, I grew up Baptist. Uh, my wife grew up Pentecostal, so I'm somewhere in between as a Bapticostal, right? Um, all my Baptist folks, raise your hand. Let's go, let's go. Um, Pentecostals, raise your hand. Everybody else, raise your hand. All right. So we're all in this together, right? We're all in this together. But here's one of the things that, that I know, even um, preparing for this, many of us, we've sang songs about the Holy Spirit. We've read about the Holy Spirit. Um, the the words, the names of the Holy Spirit has left our lips, but we may not fully understand it. And I, I heard this pastor in, in preparing for this series just give the perfect illustration of what it's like trying to um, teach about the Holy Spirit and understand the Holy Spirit. Um, anyone ever been to the ocean? Raise your hand in the ocean. Most, most everyone, right? But imagine if you've never seen the ocean. Imagine if you've never been to the ocean. It's one thing to see a picture, but it's another thing to actually go there. And so he, this pastor tells this story of this great warrior who came down out of the mountains, down to the Pacific Ocean, and saw the great waters for the very first time. Imagine this is the first time you've seen the ocean and a water this vast, this deep, this expansive. And, and so he takes a jar down into the water, and another warrior is with him, and he says, what are you doing? And, and he takes his jar and he takes some water to put it in the jar. And he says, I want to take this back to my people so they can see the great waters. How many of you know that that's not the great waters, right? It's like, you're missing a lot. And so I don't have any ocean water, but I do have some sand, which is the worst part about the beach. Can I get an amen, right? It's like, I love the beach if it wasn't for the sand. But this is sand from our very first family trip um, as mom and dad. Ella, Ella was two years old, and so we, we kept some of the sand, and I found a seashell in it this morning. It's perfect, by the way. And so we kept some of the sand because it was the first time she'd ever tucked her toes into the sand, and we wanted to remember that experience. But how many of you know, even having this sand, it does not fully illustrate the whole experience that we had with our family. And so trying to teach on the Holy Spirit is like trying to explain to someone about the ocean when they've never seen it with a little jar of water. Right? But here's what I want us to do as I'm teaching this. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he says, now we see things imperfectly. It's like a puzzling reflection in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. And what he's saying is like everything we understand now, it's a blur. We think we know all the details and see all the details, but it's like looking in a foggy mirror, right? Like, don't try to shave with a foggy mirror. You'll cut yourself. And what he's saying is, look, everything that we understand about who God is, about Christ, is like looking in a, a reflection of a mirror that is imperfect. He says, all that I know now is partial and incomplete. 
but then I will know everything. Then being when Christ comes back and is fully revealed, I will understand and know everything completely just as God knows me completely now. God knows everything about you right now. And we think at times we have God all figured out. And if you're around people who think they have God all figured out, you might want to back up just a little bit, right? Because that's when things, it is hard for us being the created to fully describe our creator, right? It's like my daughter's going to school trying to fully explain how their dad is, right? And, and, and their explanation of who their dad is matures as they mature, right? As, as your children are three or four years old and they're trying to explain who their mom or dad is, take that explanation, go ahead and do that. This, this would be fun, this homework. Go record them explaining who you are <laughs> and then go in life a few years and see how they explain you then as you've grown in a relationship with them and as they've matured in your understanding. And that is the same way for us. We understand the Holy Spirit in one way, but as we grow in a relationship with him and in our maturity and the walk with the Lord, we understand more about him. Does that make sense? And so we see things now kind of dimly, and um, here's, this is gonna be a fairly scripture-heavy series. Um, and so here's my challenge to you. Take notes. Look at your neighbor. Say, where's your notebook? <laughs> All, right. All right. I see some of you are like, I got, a, I, got, I, got, I got a notebook. If you've got a phone, you've got notes. iPhone, pull out your notes. Uh, Google, Android, Google Docs. All right. All day long. Uh, but I want you to take notes because note takers are history makers. Come on. And I, I want you to read and research for yourself because the first teaching... Um, I had about the Holy Spirit, um, heard about the Holy Spirit. It was around 16, and it was, it was a couple of years of me just being curious and asking questions and pursuing what Scripture said and, and what the Holy Spirit was saying to me. And I want that to be for you. I don't want you just to, like, like I'm not like, like LeVar Burton reading Rainbow. Don't just take my word for it, right? <laughs> go, go read for yourself. And so we see this um, in Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 5. It says, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast. There he found several believers, and he asked them, he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And what was the response? No. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience, Paul asked them. And they replied, the baptism of John, Acts 19, verse 4. It says, Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. So he's talking about they've been baptized for repentance and water according to how Jesus was baptized, right? Baptism Sunday, May 15th. Anybody sign up? Come on. Um, then in verse five, as soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There was about 12 in all. And I think when, when we consider the Holy Spirit and the teachings that we've had from different denominations, 
Uh, there are many, and my, myself was included in this, that if we were asked, we would say, I've not even heard of the Holy Spirit. Or if we've heard of it, um, we were misinformed. And so there are two camps. There are the uninformed, where we're coming from denominational backgrounds or church backgrounds where it wasn't talked about. And, and I got to thinking about this yesterday. It's like the Holy Spirit is the church's Bruno. Um, we don't talk about Bruno, no, 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 right? First service thought it was way funnier. But, but here's, here's, the, here's the thing. Here's, here's the thing with this. Like, like even in that movie, right? And I got to thinking about this on stage this morning. Even in that movie, they were upset at Bruno because they thought what he was telling them, like he was causing it to happen. But he was only actually revealing what was going to happen. And that is one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to reveal what is going to happen. And so we don't understand it. They didn't understand Bruno, so they stuck him in the walls, right? We don't understand Bruno or the Holy Spirit, so we just don't talk about it. And so some of us are in that camp, and, and maybe we're uninformed, but maybe some of us are misinformed. And, and this is really where um, I, I really kind of have a heart in some sense in that, that you were made to feel less than. Maybe some of us have been a part of, of a, and I hate this term, but a quote-unquote spirit-filled church or a charismatic church, and, and we were made to feel less than because we didn't have that hyped emotional experience that we felt like we were supposed to have, and so because of that, we felt like a second-class Christian. And so some of us are, are walking with that baggage because we didn't have the experience in the same way everyone else had. Or on the flip side of that, I was on staff with a guy that was a part of a denomination that didn't, they were like, the Holy Spirit was Bruno. Like you didn't talk about it. It didn't exist. It was, a, it was, it was non-existent as far as in the outpouring and the workings. And then one day he and his family had an encounter, had an experience that they could not describe and fully explain and not only did he lose his position within the church, but they were asked to leave the church because it went against tradition. And so there are those of us who are, who are misinformed. There are those of us who are uninformed. And I believe when we look at scripture, um, the truth is somewhere in between and that God is moving and working through his Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, um, bringing order and bringing power and bringing truth. But at the same time, he can also bring all of that in the quiet moments, not just in the loud moments. And at the same time, he's working around us. He's also working in us. And I wanna help us over the next few weeks, help us get a better understanding, maybe put a little more ocean water in our jar, right? A little more. And so um, where do we start on this? Um, where do we start? Do you guys know? I'm just kidding. <laughs> it was like, really? You don't know where you're going? So, so where do we start? We see in Genesis uh, where it says that the spirit is hovering over the deep in creation. So we could start there. Uh, we see in Matthew the first time that the Holy Spirit is mentioned when the Holy Spirit overshadows Mary and she becomes pregnant with Jesus. We could start there. We could even start with um, Jesus being baptized. And it says that the Holy Spirit descends upon him like a dove and the Father from heaven speaks. And we see all three persons of the Trinity right there in one place at one time. Um, we could start there. And there's, there's multiple places, but, but really, I would like to start um, with the in introduction that Jesus makes. Because you have Jesus introducing the one that he is sending, 
right? So turn with me to the book of John chapter 14. And we're gonna look at a lot of scripture right here. I want you to write it down and please, please, please go back and read this. John chapter 14. Um, John chapter 14. When you're there, say I'm there. Or if you've written it down, say I got it. Got it, I'm there, got it, got it. All right, so John chapter 14, um, verse 16. Jesus is in his last discourse with his disciples, which is the last conversation he's having before um, he is arrested and crucified and buried and ascends to heaven. And he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because the world, it is not looking for him and does not recognize him. But you know him because he lives, catch this, he lives with you now, but will be in you later. And so we see Jesus saying that the Father, that I will go to the Father and he will send another advocate, a helper. And so we see God the Father, we see God the Son, and we see Jesus predicting and foreshadowing the sending of God the Holy Spirit. And so when you look at this, like, all right, your, your mind can't wrap around this. It's one of those things that to understand the Godhead of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and that it's not three different gods sitting on three different thrones, that it is one God sitting on one throne that, that is present as both the Father in heaven, the Son on earth, and the Holy Spirit in us. Like, how does, like, how does that make sense? When you guys get that figured out, please text me. Let's get coffee, right? But here's what I know. So for me, so you have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But scripture says that, that it is in one name that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess is Lord. And that name is Jesus. So me. I'm not Jesus, right? But, but I am a husband, I am a father, and I am a son. I have three different roles, but, but what's my name? It's so funny. You guys were a little quicker than first service. Like some on the front row, they're like, is this, is this a trick question? I think it's Stephen. So even though I operate in different persons, depending on where I'm at, I'm still just Stephen. Even though God operates as the Holy Spirit, as God the Father and Jesus, it is still just Jesus. Can I get an amen, right? It is just Jesus. And so to fully understand that is incomprehensible for us being infinite more or finite beings. But what I wanna help us to understand is to be able to live and to operate and and to walk. So I wanna understand that the Holy Spirit is not a force. I know May 4th is this week, um, which is Star Wars Day. Any Star Wars fans, right? So like the Holy Spirit is not a force. It is not a power. It is not. It is a person that we get to have a relationship with. Jesus says that I am going to send him, not it, right? And he says when he comes, not when it comes. And we see in scripture that, that the Holy Spirit has personality, that, that he can be grieved. He can be lied to. Um, we, we, we see that, that he can speak on our behalf. So the Holy Spirit is God's presence interacting with us today, all right? 
gonna give us a lot of scripture just for the next couple of moments. I want us to understand this, so please get this. John chapter 15, go there. Just one chapter over. John chapter 15, verse 23 through 27. It says, anyone who hates me also hates my father. If I hadn't done such miraculous signs among them that no one else could do, they would not be guilty. But now they know who I am is what he's saying. But as it is, they have seen everything I did, yet they still hate me and my father. This fulfills what is written in the scriptures. They hated me without cause, but I will send you the advocate, which is the spirit of truth, another name for the Holy Spirit. He says, he will come to you from the Father and, and will testify about me. And you must, that's not a, you should, what is that word? You must also testify about me because you have been with me from the beginning of my ministry. Jesus is again describing and explaining the Holy Spirit that is coming when he goes away. Next chapter, John chapter 16, verses six through 12. It will be on the screen. It says, he says this, but now... I'm going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking where I'm going. He's like, do you guys not care? I'm going away. Somebody asked me. He says, instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it is, what is that word? Is it on the screen? It is what? It is best. He's saying it's best for you that I go away because if I don't, then the advocate won't come. The Holy Spirit won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin, of God's righteousness and the coming judgment. The world's sin is this, he says, that it refuses to believe me and that righteousness is available not because of what they do, but because I go to the Father and you'll see me no more. It convicts of judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. There is so much more that I want to tell you, but you can't bear it. And so what he's saying is like, look, I've told you all that I can tell you right now. This is, this is the right information. You're the right people. This is the right time. And we know those people that give you the wrong information at the wrong time to the wrong people, right? That's not Jesus. He's going to give us the information that we need in the time that we need it. You guys with me? Because sometimes if he shows us everything, we would be terrified, and so he's saying, look, this is all that you can bear right now. But then he says, um, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. And he won't speak on his own, but will tell you what he's heard from me. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. All right, let's all take a deep breath. Whew, that's a lot. Did you guys get all that? Jesus in this moment is introducing the Holy Spirit to the disciples. It is a introduction for us to know what we have in him, how to operate and walk in him. And he says, the Holy Spirit is our advocate. He's our helper He's our comforter. He's our counselor, depending whether you have the, the King James Version, New King James, NIV, NLT, ASB, ESV, all those, right? Depending on what you're reading, you're going to see one of those translations, um, one of those descriptions. And really, all of those come from the Greek word. And some of you maybe have heard this. It comes from the Greek word, which means it's, it's, it's paraclete. Okay, what is the Greek word for the one who comes alongside to help? 
the one who comes alongside to help. And I love the imagery of that. It doesn't say he's gonna run out ahead of you and shout for you to come on. It doesn't say he's gonna be behind you like a cattle herder cracking the whip, getting you to go, but it says that he is going to come alongside you, walk with you wherever you go. Paraclete, it is the one who comes alongside to help. Go back and read John chapter 14, the first couple of verses that we read earlier. Jesus makes a statement, and, and, and it really kind of hit me. It's like, that's strange. He says, Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and I will give you, what's that next word? Another. Another advocate. I ducked down so you guys could see it, right? Um, he said, I will give you another advocate who will never leave you. Um, so the Holy Spirit is another helper. So what does that mean? If Jesus is saying, look, I'm going to send you another helper, that must mean that there's already a helper present with the disciples. Guess who that helper is? It's the Sunday school answer, guys. Jesus, <laughs> right? <laughs> Jesus. If you don't know, just shout Jesus, and it's going to be an amen, right? But he's saying, look, I'm going to send you another, another helper. And, and when, you, when you read this in the English, we understand it as another, but our English language doesn't really... Um, compute well with Greek, which is what this was written in. There's actually two words in the Greek language that mean another. And I want us to understand specifically the word that, that John used when he wrote this is it, it's not necessarily another like what we're thinking. There are two words. And, and the first word is this. It is um, heteros. Um, heteros means another of a different kind. It's another of a different. So, so think this, like same but different. You know, you've played the game, one of these is not like the other, right? It's, it's another but different, same but different. And then there's the other word, which is allos, which is another of the same kind. It's exactly the same. And, and reading this, the illustration that they kind of gave is, you know, say you bought a CD. And I know like people aren't buying CDs as much anymore because you can download it, but we're buying records again. Anybody got record? Come on, it's like, it's awesome. Um, and so think about if you bought a CD that you did not like, and so you're like, I don't like this one, I'm going to go buy another CD. Are you gonna buy the exact same CD? No, okay? You're not. You're gonna go buy another CD, but it's gonna be a different CD by a different artist, a different album, if you like the artist. So it's gonna be the same, but different. Say you have a CD that you like. That's, that, that was heteros another. You have a CD that you like, and you like it so well that you give it away to someone else. You're like, man, I really wish I still had that CD. Like, I remember back in the day when I gave or burned all of my CDs because I was trying to be really righteous. I burned all of my CDs. I was like, you know what? I, I want to go back and get those again. And so you go to CD Warehouse, so you get them really cheap. But I wanted to go and buy another CD that I gave away or I lost. I'm gonna buy the exact same CD that is Allos. That's the word that, that John is using here. And so Jesus is saying is, is I will send another advocate that is exactly the same as what you have now. And that is the same Holy Spirit that we have now. And so how many times have, have we read or heard or seen about what the disciples did? And it was like, well, the disciples were able to do that because they had Jesus with them. But what Jesus has said is I'm sending you another just like me to help. So we have the same helper that the disciples had when Jesus was walking with them. Come on. 
we have the same comforter that the disciples had when Jesus was walking with them because Jesus is God. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is with us just as Jesus was with the disciples. We have the same counselor. We have another of the same kind. So the Holy Spirit is another helper. The Holy Spirit is a permanent helper because he says, I will give you a helper that will never leave you. He will never leave you. He is a permanent helper. So guess what? The Holy Spirit that you have on day one, when you first say, yes, Jesus, I give you my life. That is the same Holy Spirit that you have on year five. It is the same Holy Spirit that you have on year 10. And there's been a whole lot of life lived between day one and year, year 10. Amen, right? There's been times we're following Jesus closely and we're following the guiding of the Holy Spirit. But then there's been times in our life, like, like Peter, after Jesus is arrested, it says that, that Peter followed Jesus from a distance. There's been times in our life where we have followed Jesus from a distance, but the Holy Spirit is still with us because he is a permanent helper. David says this. He says that, that I can go and make my bed in the grave and go to the highest of heavens. There's nowhere that I can go that your spirit is not there with me. And, and, and the, God's spirit is not with us based on our behavior. I was talking after service. Like sometimes we've had this mentality like, okay, the Holy Spirit is with me as long as I'm doing good. The Holy Spirit is with me as long as I'm hitting my check marks, as long as I'm reading my Bible, as long as I'm not cussing my mom, as long as I'm not, you know, beating my kids or whatever. Like, as long as I am walking, the Holy Spirit is still with us. Our behavior doesn't change his position in our life. Now, we can completely shut the door on him and completely turn away with him, but that's a heart thing. That's not a behavior thing, right? And so it doesn't, it doesn't, he is with us permanently, um, the Holy Spirit, so as a permanent helper, these are some things that he does. And we'll dig into these a little bit more over the next several weeks. The first thing is, is he gives direction. He gives direction. Um, in, in Luke chapter four, we see that, that right after Jesus is baptized and the Holy Spirit descends upon him, it says that he is led into the wilderness. And then in Acts chapter 16, Paul is, is out there planting churches and he's wanting to go preach and, and he keeps wanting to go to Asia, but he says that the Holy Spirit prevented him from going into Asia. That the Holy, like I'm here in Murfreesboro because I believe I was led by the Holy Spirit to come to Murfreesboro. You know, there's a lot more exciting, th well, I don't know exciting, but there's a, a, a lot more easier things that I could have done besides plant a church, right? But I believe I was led. I believe that you are here at Avenue Church because you were led by the Spirit. Yeah, maybe you saw a Facebook ad, you Googled us on, you know, whatever. Um, but I believe that it's through that the Holy Spirit has, has led you. I, I don't think it's an accident if we believe that, that he's guiding us, right? And it's not just for directional, positional purposes, but the Holy Spirit gives us direction on to live a godly life. Paul says in Romans that, that all who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. And we'll talk more. I'm just giving you guys a surface level. It's foundational stones for this church. I mean, where God wants to take us. But, but within us, we have the flesh telling us one way to go. We have the spirit telling us another way to go. Our flesh is taking us away from the things of God. Our spirit is taking us towards the things of God. And so which direction are we going to choose we know the Holy Spirit, when it draws us, it draws us closer to the things of God. So the Holy Spirit gives us direction. The Holy Spirit does this. It provides discernment. Discernment is understanding. It's knowing truth from a lie because he says that the Holy Spirit will, will lead you and guide you into not just some truths or partial truths or half truths, but into what? 
all truths, right? Um, and Jesus also says this. He says that the Holy Spirit will remind you of everything that I have told you. And so for those of us who, who have been in church and we're reading our Bible and we're getting God's word down on the inside of us and, and we go through a season of, of pain or we go through a season of anguish or struggle and we're reminded of a scripture that brings us encouragement, that's not by chance. That's the Holy Spirit revealing truth in you even though you're in the situation. And you gotta look at everything the disciples experienced from their time with Jesus until you know, the end of their life. They, they, were, you know, uh, they were ridiculed, they were beaten, they were martyred, they experienced you know, imprisonment and all these things, but, but the Holy Spirit continued to reveal the truth of what Jesus had spoken to them in that time. So Holy Spirit provides discernment. Um, Holy Spirit leads to conviction. Jesus says the Holy Spirit will convict the world of these three things. He says it will convict them of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. Sin, righteousness, and judgment. And so when you think about the Holy Spirit convicting us of sin, um, it's helping us realize that there are things in our life that separates us from God. That it is things in our life that is separating us from God, and it leads to remorse um, and and conviction and understanding that, that we are guilty. And it says that it leads to righteousness. Understand the righteousness that, that we can do um, is nothing compared. Now, here's what I want us to understand. Um, Jesus said it is, it is the Holy Spirit's job to convict. But sometimes we act like or think it is our job to convict, to bring conviction we see someone's lifestyle, we see someone's behavior, and we take that responsibility on ourselves. But what happens when we do that, let's be honest, we come across um, as, as mean and prideful. And, and it, is not, it is not received well. And a lot of times, maybe you've experienced this, you leave feeling condemned and less than, um, and we begin to put up walls of bitterness and harden our heart because in what we were trying to, to operate in conviction actually wound up being condemnation. And it is the Holy Spirit's job to bring convictions. One of the greatest things, if you have someone in your life, in your family, friend, coworker, that you truly wanna see saved, that you truly wanna see a, a transformation in their life, don't start with convicting them. Start with praying for them. Because you don't know everything that's going on in their life. Their behavior, their actions may be the result, even though it's sinful, it may be the result of a struggle that they have that you know nothing about. And so they are going to that for relief and release and peace and comfort, which we know is only temporary but you don't see this over here. And so what you're convicting over here, you're not dealing with over here. But when the Holy Spirit convicts, he takes care of this before he takes care of this. And so like one of my, one of my mentors and just, uh, man, it's just meant so much in my life. Uh, he was my boss, he was my pastor and passed away several years ago. And you would have never known this guy the first time you meet him. He was the most loving 
man, I thought I cried. Like he cries just at the drop of a hat, like just all the time, just so sincere. But he wasn't always like that. In his early 20s, mid-20s, maybe even to his late 20s, he was newly married, had two kids, another one on the way, and, and he was working for UPS on his off time. He was drinking and playing golf. He was verbally abusive to his family. Um, but my pastor, who was here last week, and his wife and family members, they had tried to talk to him. But you know, after a while, that wall goes up and nobody's listening, right? And so they begin to pray. God began to work on his heart begin to soften his heart, begin to receive the word. The Holy Spirit began working and, and, and he gave his life to Christ. Not only that, but God used him in ministry and that season that he experienced as a verbally abusive alcoholic husband as he was ministering to people. And, and when he passed away, like the line of people, visitation was supposed to be from like six to eight. It was six to midnight because of the people that are just coming in. And, and, and I joke with, with my staff, with my coordinators, he would always give a fist bump. And, and like anytime he was around, I was, even as a, as a 30-year-old, I would be like, can I, get a, can I get a fist bump, Pastor? Because he just made you feel just so loved and you knew that he was full of the Spirit of God. And so now I joke with my team, anytime I give a fist bump, I'm like, I wonder if they feel like I feel. Um, are my fist bumps as good as his, right? <laughs> like, are they, are, are they that good? But, but here's the thing. It was the Holy Spirit that convicted him, that led to an encounter with him in, in transforming his life that just didn't change his life, but I believe it's changed generations. And so if that, I spent a little more time than I intended, but if you have someone, if you get nothing else, if there's someone in your life, whether it's a child, whether it's a father, a mother, a spouse, Pray that the Holy Spirit would convict them because he can do more than you could ever, ever with your words. Um, he convicts of righteousness. And what that means is to bring us to an understanding that um, we cannot earn the right to stand before God. That Jesus has done all the work to give us the right. He has given us, not only has Jesus taken our sin, but he has given us his righteousness as a result. And so convicting us of that, that we can't earn righteousness, and then convicting of judgment. And what it means is, is the, the uh, Lord of this earth, the, the king of this world, meaning Satan, this is his condemnation, that he has already been judged. And those of us who do not, who do not align ourselves with the kingdom of God, we will face the same judgment that Satan has faced. And so he convicts us of that. Um, and then lastly, when we look at, the, at, at what the Holy Spirit does, and we'll spend some time on this as well, but uh, the Holy Spirit empowers for ministry. The Holy Spirit empowers for ministry. Acts chapter one, verse eight. Um, he says, but this is before Jesus ascends into heaven. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witness telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And I said this a few weeks ago before Easter. Jesus says here, he says, you will be my witness. He doesn't say you will do witnessing, right? Um, he says you will be. So being a witness is just allowing God's formation, the Holy Spirit formation to work out in us. And then here's, here's what a witness does. It's simply as someone who says what they've heard and says what they've seen. And so when you are witnessing and you are being a witness, you're just declaring God's goodness in your life. 
You're just declaring how he's working in your life. That is all you have to do. And the Holy Spirit will do the rest, right? Um, it empowers for ministry. And, and we will talk in a few weeks about the spiritual gifts and the baptism of the Holy Spirit and those things. And, but here's what I want us to be careful of as a church. And I've seen this, is I, I don't want us, or I want you, myself included, um, to ever pursue the gifts over the giver of the gifts to where we start to idolize the gifts and stop worshiping the giver of the gifts. Um, I've, I've seen that to where we are, we are less focused on cultivating the fruits of the Spirit and more about pursuing the power of the Spirit. Um, fruit nurtures, fruit um, nourishes. And, and I've met some folks who called themselves prophets, but they were just mean, <laughs> right? And so what good are your powers if there's no fruit to back it up and nourish. You know, what, what, like I, I even had one girl, it's like before she told me her name, she told me she was a prophet. And I was like, well, red flag, um, staying away from you, <laughs> staying away. But, but I also want us to know that we don't stop talking about it because those things are abused. People abuse food every day, but I'm still gonna eat. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, can I get a better? Like, like we, don't, we don't stop talking about it and, 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 and we don't stop growing just because some people choose to abuse. And I think that is what happens, is we're either misinformed or we're scared and we're uninformed. And so over the next several weeks, this is, this is my hope for us as a church. As we're going into this next season, as you're going into this next season, that, that we're putting some foundational um, stones in your life and for this church to help us walk in what the Holy Spirit has for us to help us walk in, in, in maybe a, a new power and new boldness as we see in scripture. But ultimately, ultimately, this is the goal of the Holy Spirit above and beyond anything else is to make us more like Christ. Above anything else, that is what the goal and the role of the Holy Spirit is, is to form Christ in us so that the scripture we read at the beginning when Christ comes, we're no longer looking through a dimly lit glass or a shadow. We see things perfectly because Christ has been formed in us. And so for some of you in here, like this whole term of Holy Spirit is new and like experiencing and, you know, him working in us. And, and, and we will talk about things that, you know, maybe you haven't heard talked about. We'll talk about the inner workings of the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about the outpouring and the empowerment of the Spirit. We'll talk about gifts of the Spirit and, you know, maybe even praying in tongues at the end of the month. And it's like, I ain't coming to that one or everybody will be here, right? It's going to be one or the other. It's like, which is it? Uh, but, but I just know. So let me just say this. Um, there was times where, when I had an opinion about the Holy Spirit and then I had an experience with the Holy Spirit but I'm not going to allow that experience to dictate and determine your experience. I don't want that because he is a personal God. Uh, and I said this first service, I love all my kids, um, but I interact with each kid differently based on where they are at in life, based on their personality. And I know me being that as an earthly father, like how much more is our heavenly father in tune with who we are and how created us, how he created us. And so I believe there, there are certain foundational things in scripture that we see, but I also know that he's gonna interact with us differently based on who we are 
in our relationship with him. But the most important thing that the Holy Spirit, his primary goal is to form Christ in us. And so like when you're in services or you're in um, a small group or you're praying or you're reading scripture and you know, you sense something, you know, we call them in the Pentecostal church, Holy Ghost goosebumps, right? And, and sometimes we think God's not moving if we don't feel those. That is so far from the truth. There's been times where God has moved in someone else's life. I was like, was I even at church today, <laughs> right? But that moment wasn't for me. God was working in someone else's life specifically. And so for some of you, like when you sense that, and we've got an incredible worship team, y'all. They are so good. Um, and they're not just good, gifted. They're following after the Holy Spirit, not just for them, but for you. And so when you have those moments and we take time in worship and we pray over you guys and you get those Holy Ghost goosebumps, it's, it's, not, it's not the band. It's the Holy Spirit working in your life, in your heart, in your situation. And my great oratory skills, and I say something like, mm, that's good. You know, that's not just me. That is the Holy Spirit working in your life. When you hear someone praying and whether they're a soft, um, quiet prayer, whispered, or it's great bravado in the King James English, right? And, and you feel that it's, it's not just their prayers, it's the Holy Spirit working in your life, forming you more like Christ. And so I hope over the next few weeks, we can lay a foundation for our church, but also for your life. Uh, let's pray with me. If you guys would close your eyes and bow your heads. And so maybe that's you. And you have sensed, you know, church term is a tugging at your heart. You've sensed God moving in your heart, something internally in your thoughts, process, and thinking. Um, that's different. That's, that's new. You can't fully explain it. It's the Holy Spirit drawing you to Christ. Even in some senses where you feel bad about maybe some decisions that you've made or things that you've done that maybe no one knows. That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit bringing you um, a revelation of that and that you need a savior, that no matter how much you try to fix things, you're just gonna mess it up worse. And that to turn your life over to Jesus, to the one who created you and loves you and died for you. And if that's you and you say, I need a relationship with Jesus, I wanna ask you just very quickly, you can lift your hand and put it right back down just, just so that we can pray for you. Awesome, awesome. All right, look up here at me, guys. Here's what we're gonna do, awesome. For those of you who lifted your hand or maybe you didn't lift your hand or maybe you've lifted your hand in the past and there's been a lot of life since then, but something in your heart was jumping, something in your insides were, were jumping, saying, yes, I need I need this. I want to pray for you. And it's not my words that save you. Raising your hand doesn't save you. It's the confession of your mouth that saves you. Believing in your heart, confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. That is what saves you. So I want to pray for you. Then I want to pray for the rest of us. That for the next several weeks in this new season, that, that, that you would be curious about what the Holy Spirit has for your life. What the Word of God says about it. Don't just take what I'm saying but seek out the word for yourself. So Father, we just come to you to, today. I thank you for um, just your presence here. Not that we have to ever ask you to come down. Um, your 
word promises us that if we search for you with our whole heart, that you will let us find you. So God, help us to come in expecting every Sunday to encounter you. Um, Regardless of if we feel it, it doesn't change the truth of who you are and your promises for our life. God, those that lifted their hands or maybe those that lifted their hearts saying that they need a relationship with you, that their way of life is not working, that they need to repent and turn the other direction of the way that they're going. God, I pray that they would receive that forgiveness right now. God, that the weight of guilt and shame that they carry, that the enemy puts on them to slow them down and sin, that it is removed and they are given new life. Father, for the rest of us, help us, to under, help us to understand you better and your presence in our life today, that you walked as Jesus, but now you dwell with us through your spirit. And though we can't fully understand it, we can experience it. So Father, illuminate the truth in your word and in our heart and lead us in a direction closer to you, looking more like your son. Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's clap. Amen.